Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Live from Kansas, let's start the Civil War. This is the award-winning Stamp Show here today, episode number 220. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center. This is Dom. This is Cash. This is Scott. This is Mark. And I'm your host, Dawn. Shout out to Mike Pasco, Mike Mayer, and Bubba Bland, who we saw at the Denver Stamp Show. We are always glad to meet our listeners. Also, a shout out to Dr. Paul J. Phillips, the winner of the It's Not Just Stamps Award for his exhibition, The Coronation Year of King George V. This day in history, in 1854, the Kansas-Nebraska Act became law, establishing the U.S. territories of Kansas and Nebraska, by coincidence, which immediately turned into hippie communes with peace and love and lots of patchouli oil. (laughs) Actually not, it was a mess. The Kansas-Nebraska Act of 1854 was drafted by Democratic Senator Stephen A. Douglas of Lincoln-Douglas debate fame. It was passed by the United States Congress and signed into law by President Franklin Pierce, who is widely regarded as one of the worst presidents ever. Anybody want to comment on that? Worst ever? Worst ever. Buchanan is actually the worst. He, he is, a lot, most historians call him number two worst. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, you, you know, anybody who starts a civil war and uh, gets like 640,000 Americans killed, uh, they deserve worse. Least amount of scandals? Harrison. Not according to Barack Obama. Ah, that's right. Who? What? I, no, I, I missed that one. Huh? <laughs> Yeah. Least yeah. number of scandals? Harrison? Harrison. Yeah, Harrison. There, during the month that he was president, there was a hint of a scandal. Oh! <laughs> so, yeah. well, well, according so to Barack Ob- Obama's got him beat. <laughs> so according to Obama and Biden, they had no scandals in eight years. So. Ah, okay. <laughs> well, we're, we're getting kind of political here. Again? Since, yeah, since we're political, so anybody who uh, thinks that uh, Donald Trump is the worst president ever... Uh, you need to uh, crack open a history book. Check out Franklin Pierce. Whose nickname was Handsome Frank. Who won against Winfield Scott. As a matter of fact, I uh, just put up my podcast. Uh, people probably heard it because I posted it on this line too. And uh, they heard all about the uh, election of 1852 against Franklin Pierce and Winfield Scott. We interrupt the podcast for another shameless plug by Cash. Yes. <laughs> Spoiler alert, shameless plug. <laughs> Plus a really difficult stamp. It's a difficult purple. Yes, yes. Uh, yes a lot of Win- faded purple. Winfield Scott, the 24-cent banknote. Yeah. yeah, Scott's number 154. 
Is it? Oh, 153. 153. I was only off by one. Yeah. That's close. close enough, yeah. Yeah. Now, if you find one on ribbed paper, then ribbed. you have yourself something. Ribbed yep. for their pleasure. That's exactly right. <laughs> it would be ribbed for the pleasure of my bank account. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to have to put a PG warning on the, on this podcast. <laughs> right. Yeah, you totally are. This yeah. could trigger. Not yet. I don't. I don't think we've crossed the line yet. Oh, but we're darn close. <laughs> the bill was introduced with the best of intentions. <laughs> Weren't <It> they was... <laughs> all? Yeah. <laughs> I know. Aren't they all? Let's talk about the bill that was introduced with the best of intentions. Best of intentions. Yes. Let's talk about the bill that was introduced with the best of intentions. It was to open up new lands in the West for development and facilitating construction of a transcontinental railroad. But... The Kansas-Nebraska Act is most notable for almost starting the Civil War in 1854 in a series of armed conflicts known as Leading Kansas. Oh, dear. What about the Nebraskans? Yeah. You know, I, you they hear were about... They bleeding on Kansas. You hear about a bunch of uh, battles in Kansas and Missouri, but you really don't hear much shooting in Nebraska. What's up with Nebraska? You guys they pick were... up... Because it was game. all the people in Nebraska that were running into Kansas to start the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> shenanigans. They were opening up and a the, can of whoop-ass. And the ones that were left were busy watching corn grow. Well, I guess we'll be finding out for ourselves uh, next month when we're in uh, Omaha. Yeah. Originally, the Kansas-Nebraska Act was held up by Senator David Rice Atchison of Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe, as well as development of the tube sock fame no it wasn't as well as other southern pro-slavery leaders who refused to allow the creation of territories that could by voting on it ban slavery just fyi slavery would have been banned in kansas and nebraska because the missouri compromise outlawed slavery in territory north of the 36 degree 30 minute latitude whether they wanted it or not to win the support of southerners for the kansas nebraska act President Pierce and Stephen Douglas agreed to back the repeal of the Missouri Compromise, with the status of slavery being decided by voting on it by the residents. The residents of each territory, rather than Congress, would determine whether or not slavery would be allowed. Northerners strongly opposed the bill. The bill passed the House with the support of almost all Southerners and a few Northern Democrats. After the passage of the act, pro- and anti-slavery elements flooded into Kansas with the goal of voting slavery up or down, resulting in quite a bit of shooting and torch work. That answered your question, Cash. Ah, yes. In the end, the conflict was years of electoral fraud, raids, assaults, and retaliatory murders carried out in Kansas and Missouri by pro-slavery border ruffians and anti-slavery free staters. Pro-slavery border ruffians arguing that every settler had the right to bring his own property, including slaves, into the territory. Anti-slavery free soil proponents argued not only that slavery was unethical, but that permitting slavery in Kansas would allow rich slaveholders to control the land. The term bleeding Kansas was popularized by Horace Greeley's New York Tribune. Stephen Douglas and President Pierce hoped that popular sovereignty would help bring an end to the national debate over slavery. But the Kansas-Nebraska Act outraged many Northerners. And everyone lived happily ever after. Until they issued the Kansas-Nebraska overprinted stamps. 
Oh. That's where that comes from. Oh, I get it now. That was, that was so familiar to me. I, I knew this had some tie into stamp collecting. Oh. So 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 what is the Kansas Nebraska stamp that you speak of? Well, actually it was a program. It was a test program designed by the post office department. They were trying to reduce the likelihood that stolen stamps would be transported across state borders and then sold off. And uh, the goal, if the test was successful, would be to overprint stamps shipped to each state with that state's uh, abbreviation. So this was going to go for the entire union. But they wanted to test, as a lot of times they do. And so they chose Kansas and Nebraska for, I don't know, maybe they pulled the names out of a hat. I have no idea why they chose Kansas and Nebraska, but that's what they chose. I actually heard that it was because of bank robberies. Kansas and Nebraska were the bank robbery. And by the way, it was post office robberies. Yeah, so people aren't confused. We're off the Civil War. We're 70 years later or 80 years later. And uh, But Kansas Wait. and Nebraska, I heard, were the bank robbery capitals of the world at the time. And that uh, that's Banks, why... post offices. Yeah. Wait, so this isn't Civil War related? Nope, not Civil War. I thought this was per- to prevent border ruffians being mailed across state lines. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was to prevent mailing slaves across the lines. Oh, yes. In 1929, the, the, the last remnants of the, uh, the slave-holding South... So anyway, the um, so these were overprinted at the Bureau of Engraving and Printing, just as you would overprint pre-cancels. Uh, they were done with electro-typograph overprints. And uh, why don't you tell people what that is, just so that it's you tell them. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, electro-typograph is uh, they these are flat plates where they have acid etching on them, and that's how the, the ink is transferred. These are not engraved plates. They, they transfer the ink. They do not make an impression. Uh, you know how a typewriter strikes a piece of paper and you can see the impression on the other side of the paper? That's not this. So if you have a Kansas-Nebraska stamp and it has any kind of impression of letters on the gum side, then it's not real. Uh, well, there can be a slight impression because of literally the thickness of the ink. But if you see any significant um, pressure on the other side, that means that it's fake. It's sort of like uh, picture a rubber stamp. The rubber stamp is going to push into the paper. But if you had just a flat piece of paper that you drew the ink on, the ink has thickness to itself. So. If it has no, if it has no gum, you might see some impression on the other side. If it has gum, you're never going to see an impression. You know, I've never seen one without gum that had an impression on the back <laughs> that was genuine. I, I'm, I'm just saying that it could be there. It, yeah. You're right, though. It is ink. It, it, like I said, it's the thickness of the ink, so it's not very big. So this electroplating, then, because when I look at Kansas, Nebraska overprints with a loop, the edges are like. You know, they're not sharp, generally. It's not an engraved impression, yes. So if it is a really sharp impression, should I be worried? Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Very much so. 
So um, one of the reasons why we're talking about Kansas, Nebraska overprints is because there are a lot of fakes out in the marketplace. Um, and by a lot, I mean they come from a lot of sources, not necessarily uh, are there uh, numerous, the you know, quantity-wise, but they're, they come from numerous sources. What would you say, ignoring like the one and two center, uh, let's say like five cent and above, what percentage would you say are fake? I, I think there are more faked on the higher values simply because they carry a higher mm -hmm. uh, value in the marketplace. Um, so they're better targets for fakery because the monetary incentive is there. Um, but I would still say it's probably no more than 20%. I was going to say the same number, yeah. Um, but still I, 20%, 20%. You've got to watch out. 20% you have to watch out. Yeah, if one-fifth of the time you're getting ripped off, right, that's so, a bad thing. So when you're looking at these things, one of the things you have to remember is that when the when they decided to do this test project, they just pulled a bunch of sheets uh, from the Bureau of Engraving and Printing. They weren't very selective about... Uh, it, it wasn't a long uh, a run over period of time, even though the stamps that they selected were definitive stamps. They chose a very... Uh, they chose stamps that were printed in a very short period of time, maybe one or two days. And so the shade on these is absolutely consistent throughout the entire run of Kansas Nebraska's so if you have a number of them you can line them all up and the ones that stick out as not being uh, consistent shade are very likely fake in fact they are probably fake yeah and uh, the other thing you, that you can look for on mint stamps is you look at the gum breakers on the back of the stamp. And the what gum, is a gum breaker? The gum breakers were bends that were intentionally placed in the stamp to break the tension of the gum after it had dried so that the panes did not curl in the drawers when they sat in the post offices. And there were three different category, uh, standard patterns that were used the the first was a uh, eight bar it was eight bar uh, the second was a one bar and the third was a two bar and on the one bar you can actually get two if they're at the absolute top and absolute bottom of the stamp but um, you want to have that you want to have make sure that you have the proper gum breaker configuration on your mint stamps and it's hard to describe over the podcast here but a bar like he's talking about is it's really like a horizontal it's like a thicker part bend. of the gum like yeah. a ridge like a ridge it's not really a ridge it's just a bend that was placed in the stamp to break the or like surface a, more like a hill like a yeah. like a mounding or yeah. something like that yeah uh and they're always pretty much horizontal so um, that's another easy way to tell if you have the uh, the multi more the, than one right. If you have more than one, then you're looking at the wrong gum breaker type or zero <laughs> <laughs> or zero because then you're looking at probably a flat plate, and not a rotary. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because uh, these stamps were again th these were available at the post office 
into the 1930s. So well, they people were, could. Well, after. Excuse me. I, I, I want to. Not the Kansas, Nebraska's. The, the, the stock. The right. like sevens and eight cent and nine cent of this issue were available like into the 1930s. Well, the series was not replaced until 1938 with the presidential series. Yeah. So these stamps would have been available in probably into the 40s in many post offices. Yeah, so you could find these really late prints in full sheets, put the fake overprint on them and try to sell them, but you're not overprinting 1929 printings, you're overprinting 1939 printings, and the two printings are significantly different from each other. Well, I don't think they made printings in 1939, but your point is, <laughs> your point is still good. Would those later uh, gum configurations be the same as the 1929 gum? Oh, no, 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 no. no, no. Okay, so, because I've noticed I've gone uh, on the obvious fakes that I've seen, when I look at the gum side, um, it's more often very shiny and flat, but on the genuine Kansas, Nebraska, I see these vertical, almost ribbing. Yeah, that, that just had to do with the way they applied the, the gum. For their pleasure. And it was probably... Uh, more likely that they were printed uh, on a day when it was cooler and the gum did not, it, it uh, hardened faster and didn't spread out over the entire stamp. So the one thing that I always see is um, the the most valuable stamp in this set is number 666. And, you know, yeah, go ig figure. ignoring the devil aspect and everything like that. But number 666, it catalogs a couple, a couple hundred bucks, I believe. Or, it's the eight cent Kansas stamp. And it is a distinctly, incredibly different shade of green. It's like an olive. It's like a deeper olive green. And when you see the fake ones, you can literally spot them a mile away. And it's the same with the nine center. The nine center is sort of a orangey pinky a deeper orange pink and in the later period it was a pink without the orange and it wasn't very light you can spot these things a mile away if you know the colors you're looking at i, I believe the, the catalog calls it a salmon color but yes yeah um doesn't so, look like any salmon i've so seen they're very the shade and in those cases the, the one cent the eight cent the nine cent the shade is actually a very peculiar shade and you can and spot it some of the others, like the seven cent black, yeah, you know, just black. it's always the same. Obviously, that one's not going to be easily differentiated by shade. Uh, the six center varies. Sometimes a bit. this the ten center can vary a little bit too. Yeah. Sometimes it's a little more orange, uh, and those are not good. But um, yeah, the browns tended not to change throughout the entire run. The, so the browns, the blues, the black, obviously the black. But so some of them you can tell by shade, and some of them are you really can't. Um, well, you mentioned the eight cent Kansas, but the ten cent on the Nebraska set is the other expensive one. Right. So you really have one value in each set. <laughs> now the other thing you need to consider is the uh, the shape and size of the overprint, as well as the ink which was used to print it. Again, consistency is key because they were done in a very short period of time. And uh, the fakes, there are some newer fakes coming out of China that are very recent. And they've gotten the right 
stock, the gum breakers on the stamps, they've used the right stock. Uh, but the ink, even though the overprint size and shape and everything is dead on accurate, the color of the ink is slightly different. And it takes really an expert in this issue well, to it be takes able a to reference. tell. It takes a reference. Well, it takes references, yes. Yeah. Or you have to be an expert to spot it without, and then you verify it with the reference. Yep. But uh, they are extremely difficult to tell sometimes. So on the, the valuable 8-cent Kansas and 10-cent Nebraska, if you've got a really high-quality example, would you recommend certification, generally speaking? I, <laughs> I would grant you that. Generally. General. general. Generally. A general observation, yes. Where's my statue? Yes. No, I, I think that uh, on quite a few, it is, you know, certification prices are relatively inexpensive. And well, for on these, it's one of the places where you really should invest in a certificate. Well, if it's well, mint never hinged. Yes, I, I agree with that. Um, and most of the time you buy it in a set anyway. But uh, well, Tom, you got a set of these, didn't you? I got a set of counterfeits. Yeah, so an entire set of counterfeits. Well, they're not. It's not an entire set. I think I have mostly Kansas and a few Nebraskas. Oh, well. I wish it was one of each. But some are good, some are terrible. But <laughs> I think that's that's kind of the point. It's good to have, you know, some are, some are very obviously typewriters, and some of them you look at them and you go. Are you sure this is counterfeit? <laughs> you know, it was it was funny. Um, I go to the local stamp club every once in a while, and uh, I got approached by this older lady, and she says, I need some help identifying these stamps. And she shows me some Kansas, Nebraska overprints. And I took a look at it, and I go, no, those are not genuine. She says, how can you tell so fast? I said, well, first of all, they're on Prexies. <laughs> <laughs> I can't find these in the catalog. <laughs> well, of course not. <laughs> they don't exist. So um, she was nice enough to uh, to uh, donate them. Well, I thought it was interesting that they were actually, because in my opinion, this was a stupid idea. Well, it turned out that it was, and that the, over, the uh, overprint experiment did not last very long. The stamps were uh, very in very short order. Uh, authorized for use throughout the country with re disregarding what state and you could and they were placed on sale in in Washington at the philatelic agency so they were available for purchase nationwide yeah and I do see some with uh, Washington DC cancels and Washington like DC uh, uh, if you have a cover the ones you want to look they're generally second day covers yeah um, the first day covers all come out of the actual Kansas and Nebraska. And uh, there's uh, a lot of information on how many were canceled and where they were canceled. Not every town or city had stamps on the day that they were issued. So there are different first day, what are considered first day cancellations for each of the different values. Because like I said, some values didn't make it to the post offices on, on the official first day and i always like the 10 cent kansas uh they have it's a very common overprint or excuse me pre-cancel 
and I believe it's Halifax, Kansas. And the Kansas and the other Kansas, so you have it's Halifax, Kansas, Kansas. Because, you know, the the pre-cancel, and it's a cool-looking little stamp. I like those. But the, uh, I mean, I can imagine probably that people wouldn't care if all 50 states issued these. But imagine, like, you know, the set from Kansas and Nebraska, you know, that's bad enough. California, New York, probably really common. And Maine and Wyoming, you know, non-existent. Uh, well, they would it be, would be difficult used. Yeah, let's it, put it that way. This this would be a very interesting set to try to get a whole thing, but I mean, you know, like I said, the uh, foolishness of it that you know somebody's going to steal stamps and then ooh, I know what state you stole them from. You know, it, anecdotally, I think used are harder to find than mint. Oh, I would guarantee that you are correct. I mean, one hundred percent. Well, f- first of all, they're they're they catalog less, but really, should they? Because they are much harder to find. Well, I collect used. Uh, I could find a zillion Zep sets in mint hinged, mint never hinged, yeah. whatever. But trying to put, to put together a used Zep set was very difficult, and in, I ended up trading one of the values, mint never hinged for used, straight across. Yeah, just to get one. Yeah. So uh, you know, I, I would I would have to to hypothesize that the maybe the catalog value should be a little bit higher for used values on these. <laughs> well, it's a scarcity versus demand thing. So that is true. Yeah. That is true. Mint never demand, hinged. Demand does drive the values. People collect mint never hinged overall. Uh, used is, you know, where you collect your classics because you can't get mint never hinged, but. You know, I see a lot of collections where, you know, people collect used and they go, well, you know, these are really scarce. It's like, yeah, but the demand's not there. So. Well, one of the things we didn't discuss on them was also the perforations. Because oh, the yeah. rotaries are 10 and a half by 11, correct? 11 by 10 and a half. 11 by 10 and a half. Yes. And the flat plates are all perf 11. Yep. That is true. So if they would have issued them in Utah, would they still have put the period after the age? No. Yeah, interesting. Or Ohio. Question. Yeah. Or Iowa. We have a number of four-letter states. Right, and if they put in Maine, would they have done M A N E period or M A I N period? I think it's just the abbreviation. M A I period. Like a postal abbreviation? Yeah, but that's only three letters. Yeah. I think that uh, you, well, you know, they put on Molly Pitcher, and Pitcher has more letters. Yeah, but to maintain consistency with Kansas and Nebraska. Hawaii, they spelled out Hawaii. But that wasn't a state, so it wouldn't have been one. That's true. There wouldn't have been 50 of these. How many states were there? Well, there were old, there were there were, there were old-time abbreviations that um, varied between two and four or five letters. Oh, I remember them. I remember and, them. And uh, I, I think they would have stuck with that convention rather than yeah, we'll trying to make everything four, four. Yeah, yeah, we're old. We remember those. Anything else? I say we wrap this puppy up. Let's I, wrap it up. I say come see us at the APS Summer Stamp Show in Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha. Omaha.
August 1st to 4th. And bring your Nebraska overprints. Just because. Sort of returning them to the wild. Stop by the <laughs> PSE booth and say hi. Or the Stamp Show Here Today booth. Aren't they the same? Yes. <laughs> if you bring your Kansas over Prince to Nebraska, do you risk starting a fight? I think so. I think so. The border ruffians. You have been listening to the award-winning Stamp Show here today. This was Tom. This was Cash. This was Scott. This was Mark. And this is Dawn. Support your podcast by joining the Stamp Show here today podcast as a member. We are an APS member club. The cost is $10, and you can mail a check to P.O. Box 539-309, Henderson, Nevada, 89053-9309. One new voice message and one saved message. New message. You have been listening to the award-winning Stamp Show here today, brought to you by the Nevada Philatelic Research Library. Produced and edited by Cash Brathus, with engineering and recording by Tom Schilling, Research by Scott Murphy and Mark Leon, and I'm your host, Don Doss. Please subscribe to us on iTunes or Podbean, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com, and thank you for listening. To replay this message, press 1. To delete, press 7. To save, press 9. Message saved. There are no more messages. Main menu. Stamp show here today. Stamp show here today.